everybody has the opportunity to be saved because God is just. Everybody has the opportunity to get born again and do something with your salvation. But once you get born again, as these, as um, Gladys said and Michelle said last week, as they testified, <clears throat> they had to choose to do something with what they heard. They had to mix faith with what they heard. As Gladys said, she wasn't raised in church. She didn't have any understanding of the things of God. She didn't understand what God was or, or really, you know, how to understand how to live in the kingdom of God. You know, if, you, if you're going to live, if, you're, if you left the United States of America and you moved to um, Australia, um, Australia is probably similar to the United States. We'll, we'll take Africa. Let's just say you moved to Africa. There's parts of it that are, you know, would be similar to things that we had here, but you're living in a different kingdom. And, unless, you know, even if you studied that kingdom before you moved there, you wouldn't know everything until you got there. You know, people ask me, from other countries that come here. I've got lots of friends that live in different countries, and they come here and they'll ask me questions. So what do you all do about this? What, 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 how do you all view this? Or how, how do you see this or whatever? And so I have to explain to them what it, how, things, how you do things in, in this country because, because in other countries, they may do things in a different way. To operate in the kingdom of God, just because you get born again, doesn't mean you know how to operate in the kingdom and actually that you know anything about it. God is teaching us. That's what the church is about. That's what the purpose of the church is, is to grow us up and teach us about the kingdom, how to live and operate in the kingdom, and how to be on the receiving end of what God wants to do for us. Actually, God's done every, everything that you will ever need in life. He's already done it. But it's not going to just happen. You don't get born again and things get put on autopilot and you just kind of go and everything just happens. You have to make choices all the time. And if you make choices for the kingdom of God with United States rules, it won't work. There are things in Africa that they can do that we may not can do here. There may be things in some other country that is illegal here in the United States or vice versa. There are ways that God thinks that's totally different than any other, any, anybody else, or any other kingdom on the planet or, any, or the way anybody else thinks on planet earth. God thinks certain ways and you have to learn to think like God and, and how God thinks about every different situation. That's how we grow up. That's why we need the Word. These testimonies that you've been hearing about people that <clears throat> where vision is concerned and, and visions have been prayed for and, and things have come to pass, it's because they had expectation for what was being prayed for. They had faith in the fact that we believed that if you'll bring them, we'll agree with you. And, and the Bible says if any two agree is touching anything that they ask, it will be done. God's promises are not hit and miss or sometimes or kind of like the lottery, you know. 
one out of 500 million will win. No, in God's kingdom, it's for everybody. Amen? The promises are for everybody that'll do something with it. And that's what we're talking about over this month and as we're bringing this series entitled Clarity that we started on December 30th, bringing this series um, to a close or to fulfillment today and, and tonight, as you've been already encouraged to come back tonight, you know what, if you, you say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't really know what my vision is, then write that down and bring it. Because what we're going to pray for is that you get clarity about vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. One translation says, where there is no redemptive revelation of God, people perish. There has to be an ongoing, continual revelation of God flowing in and through and to people so that we can change the way we see things and develop an expectation for God that has nothing to do with what we see. It has nothing to do with what we see. I can tell you in my, in my walk with God, I thought there were days that, 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 that I could never do that. When I started out in the kingdom, you know, and I would hear people teach about having faith in God and not being moved by what you see, I'm thinking, how can I do that? How can you do that? Forty plus years later, I know exactly how you do it. I live my life that way. And I'm here to teach and, and to minister to you today how to accomplish that. And I feel like what I have to share with you today, I, I, I believe you're going to get something out of this. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so, <clears throat> vision at Gates of the City this year has to do with clarity, things becoming more clear, things, things uh, d- developing a greater per- perception of God, being more clear about who God is, and, and what God has done for us, and what He wants for us on a day-to-day basis. God wants you well physically more than you want to be. God wants you wealthy more than you want to be. God wants you delivered of anything in life that you need to be delivered of more than you want to be. Sometimes people think, well, you know, God just lost my phone number. No, the way you know where God is and what God is doing is through His Word. It's the seed of the Word that reveals and opens up everything that life has to offer. Every answer to every issue or problem that you will ever face in life is in the seed of His Word. Wow. That's an absolute. Amen? So, I said to you last week, I'm just going to mention a few little things that I said to you last week. Jesus is the vision. He is the true vision. And I read this out of Hebrews chapter 3, and I want to read these few verses. I read this last week, but I just want to remind you of this again. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1, and I'm going to read it out of the Message Bible. And it says, So my dear Christian friends, companions, in following this call to the heights, in other words, this upward call, this, this high calling of God, Take a good hard look at Jesus. He's the centerpiece of everything that we believe. Faithful in everything that God gave him to do. Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets far more honor. A builder is more valuable than a building any day. 
A builder is more valuable than a building any day. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. And this is what was to come. Christ as a son is in charge of the house. Now, if we can only keep a firm grip on this bold confidence that we're the house, that we're the house. And I, and I want to I want to focus on that today, and I'm going to remind you in the other things that I say in the rest of this message today, that God wants us to get a firm, clear grip on the fact that we are the house, and He is a faithful son to the house. He's faithful to the house who we are. He is faithful to you. He will never let you down. Everything that He has promised to you, He will make sure it comes to pass. And what I'm going to talk about today is what our part is in that coming to pass. He's already done it, and he is faithful to the house. Can you say amen to that? Faithful to the house. I mentioned to you in the last few messages, and we talked about it a number of times at Word First, that right now, not just this year, this isn't the year of the open door, it's just a time when the door is open. And stronger revelation that's come to me about the door is open is that God said to me, spoke to me very clearly, that the door has always been open. The door is always open for everybody. What does door represent? Opportunities. What else does it represent? Jesus said, I'm the door. Has Jesus ever been closed? Who is Jesus to us? We know Him through His promises revealed, through His promises manifested. That's how we really know Him. I didn't say that's how you get born again. I said that's how you know Him. If you meet a person for the first time and you shake their hand and you say, I'm so-and-so, and they say their name, well, you've met that person, but you don't know that person. The way you and I begin to know who Jesus really is, is through His promises being revealed to us and the manifestation of those promises coming in our life. That's how we get to know Him. Well, I'm telling you, those things are open to us, and they've always been. And you know how, why it's open right now? It's a season of the open door because God said it. I heard it. I'm telling you that. And if that's really so, you're going to know it in yourself. Not just because I said it, but I'm telling you that because I heard God say it. And he told me to tell you, hey, the door has always been open and the door will always be open. The opportunities will always be there. My promises will always be there. The manifestation of my promises will always come if we believe and have absolute assurance that he will do what he said he would do. That's our part. Can you say amen to that? <clears throat> Why is that so important? Well, we read out of Zechariah, Old Testament, chapter 8, and verse 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, that in those days, in these days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man. And we talked about this whole, we read through this whole chapter in, a, in the first couple of messages that we preached on this. If you had, didn't listen to him, go back and uh, go back to the website and download them and you can listen to him for free. The messages are there for you. But we talked about the fact that we are engrafted Jews. So he's talking 
to us also. He's talking to us today. He said that saying that, the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you for we have heard that God is with you. Why is all this important? Why is it important that who he is is clear to you and I? Why is it important that we realize that the door of opportunity and his blessing and promises are open to us? Why is that so important? Because there are people everywhere that need to grab your sleeve and say, I'm coming with you. I want to be around you. I want to know you. I want to be with you because I've heard, I see, I'm aware of the fact that God is with you. See, it's not just a selfish thing where the promises of God are concerned. It's not just a selfish thing where understanding, you know, the opportunities and and the blessings of God. It's not a selfish thing. God wants us blessed to be a blessing. People want to grab your sleeve and say, you know what? There's something different about you. I know that God is with you. I want to be around you. I want to connect to you. That's That's how people get set free. People don't get liberated in life from the bondages and the things. As the testimony today, as Gladys was talking about, being in a sober house, you know, being on drugs and things in in days past in her life and coming to a sober house and getting sober. Listen, I know many, 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 many people who have been to sober houses. Many, 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 many people who have gone through rehabs once and twice and three times and five times and ten times. I knew a guy, passed away now, he'd gone through rehabs 30 times. The rehab, the sober house, will not liberate your life for the long haul. Thank God for the sober houses. Thank God for AA and those kind of organizations. But they will not deliver you for the long haul. Only God and His Word will liberate you for the long haul. People need to meet people like you that believe that God is real. Amen? We need clarity on that more than we need anything else. I promise you. Because if you'll get clear on that, everything else in your life will work. The problem with many people's healing and prosperity and opportunities and blessing and future and vision being revealed is they're all about themselves. You and I are our worst enemy. I'll say it again. You and I are our worst enemy. The enemy is not our worst enemy. You and I are our worst enemy. You and I can sabotage our life quicker than anybody else by just being selfish. When you sit under the Word and you allow the Word to begin to change the way you look and think about things, and it doesn't happen overnight, no way, no way in the world. But you begin to sit under the word and you hear teaching like this and there's teaching like this everywhere all over the planet. When you hear teaching like this and you're a part of this body and you believe in what's being preached here and it's changing the way you think and the way you deal with life and all those kind of things, as you begin to change, then what you want is to see other people's lives change. And it's brilliant. It's amazing. What a life. There's no other life. There is no other life than to live this life and be consumed with your father's business. Be consumed with what he wants in life. Wow. You can't miss it when you're doing it his way. You can't miss it. Can you say amen? Um. 
The only way to know God is through his word. The only way to believe in God is through his word. But here, here's the thing, and I, and I want, you to, want you to remember this today. It's, 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 it's real simple. Actually, there's not anything that I'm teaching today that's in any day that's not simple. God told me a number of years, don't, don't go, don't preach things that are difficult. Keep everything simple. But here's the thing. If you're believing in God today about a specific thing, that doesn't guarantee that 30 days from now you'll be believing also. It doesn't guarantee that in six months you'll be believing God the same way you're believing Him today. There's one key element that you and I have to remember, and it's found in John chapter 8 and verse 31 and 2. He said in, in the King James Version, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. If you continue in my word, what guarantees 10 years from now, you can, you're still believing God, you're still increasing, you're moving forward, things are happening in your life, is that you continue in the word because everything that you need to handle the pressures of life is in the seed of the word itself. You continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth that you know will make you free. Now, this morning I want to finish this series with four points. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. And I want... I want you to see this in the Scripture as as I share this with you. I said to you that Jesus, He is the vision. And we see in Scripture, and we're going to just look at, at four passages of Scripture in the book of Mark. And we're going to start with Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. And what you see here is the beginning of Jesus with his disciples. Say this after me. I am, say it again, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Well, these were his first disciples. And I want you to notice some things that he did with them through these four points that I want to show you, okay? So I'll give you the point after I read Mark 3 and verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. And then he he goes on to say who they they were. So he appointed the twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach And have the power to heal and to cast out demons. The power to heal and cast out demons. We see here, number one, that he gave them the power to do what he wanted accomplished in the earth. See, Jesus had a mission. For three and a half years, a little over three years, Jesus fulfilled that mission on the earth. So he took his disciples and gave them kind of a down payment of what was going to happen on the day of Pentecost. But when the day of Pentecost came, what happened to all of humanity and what has been been 
processed down all the way to us is that Jesus has prepared us and positioned us and given us the power to accomplish what we need to do in the earth. We see here that His disciples had the power to get the job done. Now, look at Mark 6. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two, gave them power over unclean spirits. He commanded them to take nothing for their journey, and he, he, he kind of said a few things about preparing them for where they were going. And then, um, and then in verse 12 he says, so they went out and they preached that people should repent. And they cast out demons, and they anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So they cast out many demons. Why? Because Jesus gave them the the power to do the work. The work here is what Jesus was called to do in their day and time and what they were doing, but it was to heal the sick and cast out devils to straighten things up. There was a mess going on on planet Earth. They hadn't seen miracles happen until Jesus for over 400 years. Nothing had happened in the earth. And so Jesus gave them power, number one. And number two, they were accomplishing with the power that Jesus gave them what Jesus wanted them to do. He sent them out two by two, and they did the work. Can you see that clearly in the Scripture here? And then the third passage I want to read is in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse And I'm going to read this story here to you, and I want you to follow with me what I feel like God wants you to see out of this. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude. Now, he came to them where they were. Where were they? They were out there healing the sick and casting out devils and, and teaching people to repent and deal with themselves. He had given them the power to accomplish that, and they were doing it. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Everybody say, they could not. I'm not sure that that's right. So, well, the Bible says it. Well, I'm going to show you something about what was said right here. What was said here is that they could not. Did Jesus give them power? 
He gave them power to do it. So what I'm going to say is, it wasn't so much that they could not, but they chose not to. I'm going to show you why they chose not to. You and I always have a choice for everything. We read in chapter 6, they were out there doing it. Many were healed, and many devils were cast out. They were given that power, and man, I mean, things were happening. But I I want you to watch this case. Look what happens here. He says, verse 19, He answered and said, He answered him and he said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. His, his, His response to that situation right there was faithless. Faithless. Little faith. Lack of developed faith. Then he brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the Spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now, how many of you, if you were in a situation like that, and somebody just went bam on the ground, and they started foaming at the mouth, would that disturb you? Everybody raise your hand if that would disturb you. Everybody go ahead and raise your hand, okay, because it would disturb you a little bit, okay? I don't want you to be a liar, so I'm telling you to go ahead and raise your hand. No, I'm but but <clears throat> it would disturb everybody, right? So here's Jesus. He's talking to the father of this son. The son goes down. The spirit takes him down. He starts foaming at the mouth. I mean, he's probably jumping around and all this kind of stuff. <clears throat> and so was this Jesus' response? Oh, my God, what the heck? What has happened with this kid? Was that his response? Did he start yelling, screaming? You know, did he run? No. He starts up a conversation with the son foaming at the mouth and wallowing on the ground. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? Bam, 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 bam. I talked about this one time, and I think it was Caleb. Yeah, Caleb was, was my example, and he was... He was jumping around. He did a pretty good job of that. I should have had him again. Uh, And he said, from childhood, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Actually, actually, the word there is help my doubt. The word there is doubt. The word there is I believe, but I have doubt. Why? Because he's never seen anything change. Wouldn't you have doubt? So it's normal. It's a normal response. So <clears throat> what I think happened was The disciples were on a roll, boom, devil, boom, healing, boom, devil, boom, healing, boom, devil, boom, healing, and then, bam! (sighs) That's what I think happened with the disciples. 
And I think probably, possibly, you know, Peter was probably the first one to handle it. And he didn't see anything change in that situation. He may have looked at John and said, you know what, it didn't work for me, you try it. Whatever, it was a situation where the circumstances caused them to doubt. I'm going to say it again. The circumstances caused them to doubt. I'm telling you today, what you and I need continuously is clarity. That's why we have to continue in the Word. That's why we have to not only continue in hearing the Word, we have to continue listening to the Word, processing what we're listening to, taking notes of what it is that we hear, and begin to continue to see ourselves built up in faith and confidence that what God has promised, He is able to perform. Because unless there's an assurance, now hear me when I say this, unless there's an assurance, when a circumstance, when a circumstance in your life gets difficult enough, when there becomes a financial pressure, a physical pressure, a mental pressure, there becomes a pressure in certain areas of your life, I promise you, if there's no continuation of the Word, you will choose to not believe. That's what the disciples did. What did Jesus do? He rebuked them and said, you know what? You have faith, but you allow doubt to come in because you saw these outward circumstances from this, this, this young boy wallowing on the ground when you were, you were supposed to be the answer for him and now I had to do it. And he said, how long am I going to be with you? How long? I mean, you know, before long, I'm fixing to leave here and I'm leaving you with what I had that I've already given you. You have the ability to do it, but you chose not to. You chose to believe the circumstance more than to believe what I told you to do. Same thing for us. We're in the same boat that, he, that, that the disciples were in then. It's the same boat now. The only difference is Jesus has gone to the Father. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Everything is finished. The power is there. It's at our disposal. And I'm just telling you, if you and I are not clear on a day-to-day basis of what we're up against and who our enemy really is and what he's trying to do to sabotage our future, If we're not aware of that every day, somewhere along the way, doubt's going to creep in and it's going to get the best of you and you're going to choose to not believe what God said is true. But I'm telling you today, the door of the opportunities of the blessings and the promises of God are wide open. Amen. Amen. There's nothing you can't do if you keep the word inside of you. You know, there's a, there's a verse of scripture, and I, I quoted this. I heard somebody say this about, maybe, I don't know, it was maybe 15 or 20 years ago. I heard somebody say that. You've heard me say this a lot. But I first heard it, um, I think I heard it from a guy named Bill, Bill Winston. I think so. A long time ago. <clears throat> but I heard it this way, and I've, you've heard me say this many, many times. It's found in the book of Proverbs. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. In other words, death and life, or when I say death, destruction or blessing, let's, say, let's call it like that because we're talking about in this life. Destruction or blessing is in the power of what I say over my life. The, many people think that the devil has the power to destroy your life, and he doesn't. The Son of God was manifested to destroy every work of the devil. The works of the devil are destroyed. He destroys people's lives because of ignorance in people and the lack of people doing the word. And so when you're not continuing in the word to hear the word, to meditate the word, to process the word and put it to work, if you're not continuing in that, I'm talking about not, not every other day. I'm talking about minute to minute, hour to hour, day by day that the word is becoming more real to you. If you're not doing that, then what will happen is you'll be moved by certain things that you see and you will talk yourself out of it and begin to speak and say things out of your mouth that are contrary to what God says is so. Death and life or destruction or blessing are in the power of what I say and, and specifically in the power of the word that I speak over myself every day. I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. Anybody say words like that over yourself on a daily basis? Huh? I'm the head and I'm not the tail. I'm above and I'm not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and going out. Do you say things like that? It sounds repetitious, but the more I say it, the more I want to say it. And the more I say it, I may be, I mean, I have a number of confessions. I've got about 30 minutes worth of confessions that I speak every morning. And then throughout the day, I speak them at different times. But the more I say them, a lot of times I'll get in the middle of those confessions and just stop. Because revelation will be coming out of what I'm saying. It's not how much I say. It's what I say that is impacting my life. That is causing me to grow up and mature and be who God wants me to be because I don't want to find myself in a situation where I'm choosing doubt instead of choosing to believe what God says is true. In the book of Psalm, the 91st chapter, everything that I just mentioned to you today, I believe is found in the first 12 verses of Psalm 91. <clears throat> I love this psalm, but hear this, and then see yourself in this as I'm saying it. See yourself becoming more clear on these issues in your life every day. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. My name is Bert, and I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. When I read things like this, when I'm speaking them over myself, I put it in the first person and speak it over me. Or if I'm speaking it over someone else, I put their name in there. So all of us who dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We will say of the Lord, He's mad at me. He hates me. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't know who I am. He likes my neighbor better than me because they're this and that and the other. I mean, if you're saying those kind of things, then you're not dwelling under the secret place of the Most High God. God wants you there. And you and I 
right here, this contraption right here, is what determines whether we live in the secret place or we live disrupted and in fear of everything in life. There's a lot of stuff to fear out there. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff out there. But when you see it through, if I'm looking at things out there like this, and then I put on his 3D glasses and I begin to see it, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. Actually, all those things that in the natural you would normally fear, actually those things are your opportunities. If you're jealous of somebody else, God wants you to begin to see them as an opportunity. If you're afraid of somebody or intimidated of somebody, anybody ever been, don't raise your hand, have you ever been intimidated of somebody? Say you're on the job and maybe there's a, you've worked for somebody, you worked for a boss, and you were intimidated by them because they, maybe they dressed nicer than you and they drove a nicer car than you and they had this thing or that thing, whatever, and you were intimidated by them. I'm not talking about not honoring people, you know, honor people in, in place of authority, but we don't worship people. I heard this years ago, and I think I've heard it in a couple of movies I've watched too. So, you know, those movies just confirm what God told me. But I've been in many places where there were people that were more educated than I was, people that maybe had more money than I had, more prestige in, like say, in, in, the, in a community or something. I've been with people like that. And God has always reminded me Wherever you go, wherever the sole of your foot touches, you belong there because I led you there. And the more I've done that through the years, I, I don't actually, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel an intimidation around anybody anymore. When, when I'm with people of, like in, in, in the political realm, you know, people of higher authority in, in, in the political realm, people that I've been with and in their presence, I feel no intimidation whatsoever. In fact, in fact, I walk into their office and I sit down, and not in pride and some, some attitude, but I belong there. I've got something that they need. I was with a city official uh, not too long ago, and I was in his office. I was sitting there. And when I was sitting there, I knew he needed me. I knew it. I knew that the man needed me. I didn't tell him that. I'm saying it to you right now. You don't know who it is, so nobody will know or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I knew he needed me, that he needed me to pray for him, and he needed to know. And I, I left his office, and I said, listen, I just want you to know I'm here for you. I don't want anything from you. I'm not looking for this, that, or the other. I just want you to know I'm for you. I'm praying for you every day. I put your name in a prayer that I speak over you every day, and I just want you to know God is with you. And he asked me to pray for him before I left. So we bowed our head, and I prayed and spoke the word. He needed that. And he needed to know that somebody wanted his attention and didn't want anything from him. You, you're not going to just... You're not going to get that. You're not going to get that in life. Everybody's always looking to rub shoulders with somebody better so that they can get something from them. Not in the kingdom. No, I get everything I got from God. I don't need anything from anybody. Now, if somebody does something, I'm grateful and appreciative and those kind of things, but my faith and trust is in God. He'll never let me down, and that's what's been developed over 42 years of salvation and continuing in the Word. So I will say of the Lord, 
He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. People that are clear. Man, I'm seeing clear. I'm seeing clearer today than I've ever seen before. Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler. Surely? Yeah, absolutely confident he'll deliver me from anything the enemy tries to do to me. From the perilous pestilence, he shall cover me with his feathers and under his wings I shall take refuge. His truth shall be my shield and my buckler. Shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand shall fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. No matter if something that you're believing God for seems to be falling to the ground, seems to not be working out, this may fall, that may not work out all around me, but it's not going to be with me. Whatever I do that God tells me to do, I'm going to be patient and I'm going to stand strong and firm. As Gladys was saying, she wanted something that day, that year, you know, right then, and it happened the next year. And what did she have to be? Patient. Where'd she get that from? Where'd she get the patience from? The Word. She got the patience from the Word. And when you continue in His Word, then whatever you need, when you need it, to not be discouraged and throw in the towel, she could have said, well, you know what? I thought it was going to be this year. Ah, just forget all this. I'm just going to sell all that stuff in the storage and forget it. I'm not going to even do it. Think of all the girls over the last year that wouldn't have been touched and blessed in that sober house if she'd have given up and not been patient. How did she develop patience? From the Word. You don't develop patience. I mean, you can go to any university on the planet and they will not teach you how to be patient. In fact, they will teach you how to stress out over getting from one class to the next and do all kinds of stuff. That's just part of the, the stuff that's out there. Keep going to universities and educate yourself and do all that kind of stuff. But just remember, without the word, none of that matters. With the word, knowledge will increase and great things will happen. And, and we're confident of that. Can you say amen to that? And he said, let me just finish this and I'm through. But it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes will I look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your refuge. You have made the Lord your re- you have made the Lord your refuge. How? By continuing in the Word, by allowing your vision to get clear and clear and clear every day. Listen, you know what the Bible says in Galatians six and verse nine? If you just don't quit, you'll reap. Forty-two years ago. There was a whole group of us, a whole bunch of us in that 42 to 40 to 39 years ago as friends with a bunch of people. We all got born again. We were all serving God and growing, raising our families. You know, kids started being born and all those kind of things. And a lot of those people aren't continuing anymore. And it's not because I had some advantage that they didn't. The only difference is I just didn't quit. Did I have opportunity to quit? Come on. Huh? Anybody ever had opportunity to quit where you're at right now? Give up? 
Job, career, church, this, that, family, marriage, all, all kinds. The difference, I just didn't quit. If you just don't quit, no matter how difficult it gets, there'll be times when it looks like something you believe God for is just falling on the ground, it's foaming at the mouth, it's not working, nothing's happening. You just can't be moved by that. Even though your emotions are moved by it, you've got to, you've got a purpose. I'm going to trust what God said, what he's promised me. And he said, it will come to pass if you just don't quit. Just get your eyes off of that thing. Keep your eyes on the word and it will happen because God's faithful to his word. Amen. No evil shall befall you. No plague or sickness shall come near your dwelling. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. All of those promises right there. Every single one of those promises are there for us. In, Psalm, in those 12 verses of Psalm 91, that's everything I've been talking about since December 30th. And all of those promises are there for the person that just won't quit the word and allows the word to become clear and clear and clear with each and every day what a great god we serve amen our vision this year tonight i've got one short little thing i'm going to share with you concerning vision and what it really means and then we're going to pray over visions tonight but i'm absolutely convinced that this is and can be the best year of your life ever. And I'm not, that's not just a cliche. A lot of people say that way. You know, this is your best year ever. Well, yeah, because it's the next one. But it can be the best year and be a year where you see the open door of opportunities and God's promises manifesting in your life because you've got your mouth on it. You've got your words on it. You've got God's word on everything that you're doing. And if you keep yourself in that place, there's no end to what God can do.